This is Kona Bible Church. Thanks for listening. We pray that you will experience God's blessing as you consider Pastor Brian's latest message from his series, Embrace Submission with Wisdom, from the book of 2 Corinthians. This week was a a rough week for me on a number of levels. Uh, And it was funny because, uh, like I said, I kind of referred, I haven't felt that way for um, 2007, where was that, 16 years? Uh, where I had that level of kind of tension. Um, again, because I think because as a pastor, I know that Sunday's coming and I, like, we have to get up and we have to wrestle through this a little bit. So it, it, I think mentally, I think I was just already challenged. And then that happened on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, I got the, I got the letter from the Synod uh, on why they disapproved of me. Um, and in that, there was some character assassination, I would call it, um, which was also a, a, a bit of a challenge to kind of process through. Um, and so, uh, you know, again, I think we read that, that uh, verse from Romans 8, that all things work together for the good of those who love him. And so, uh, as I was kind of going through that, I think well, my family definitely recognized that I was, I, usually I'm pretty, who I am in front of you is basically who I am. I'm a, kind of a silly, weird guy, right? Pretty happy-go-lucky. And this week, like, I was not that person. Um, And I was kind of like, kind of overwhelmed a little bit in some senses, even to the point of my physiology being affected. Um, I didn't really sleep all that well. I felt like a weight on my heart. Um, And so it was just an interesting week. Uh, And like, I think Rebecca's like, what happened to my husband? (laughs) Where is he? Um, And so... All that is kind of um, into this, and it kind of, I didn't really, I don't know, it just was difficult. It was a difficult week. Um, but that said, we come to the Word of God because the Word of God is the balm, right, for, for those types of, of, of moments. Think about, like, physical, when you need a balm, um, and just this idea of having some kind of wound that needs to be soothed. Well, you have to go back to the Word of God for that, right? And I think sometimes circumstances can get us to look down and, and really kind of, kind of get us discouraged, but God is inviting us to look up, look to Him, remember that He has been faithful for generations, and certainly there's no circumstance that we faith, face that, first of all, catches Him by surprise, and second of all, that He's not able to triumph over and so I think for me, as I was describing the weight, uh, I'm like, I don't, getting the disapproval thing, that wasn't irritating personally in some senses. Here, here, well, how it was irritating was I'm naive. And you hear my naivete every week when I say there's a God who's able to raise the dead back to life. And, and yet that's not just naivete, it's a confident belief, right, that God is able to come in. And so when I'm engaging in kind of on the denominational level, and this denomination is kind of, you know, kind of uh, really beginning to um, echo more worldly ideology as opposed to elevating the gospel, there's a part of me that goes, I don't care, because there's a God who's able to raise even dead denominations back to life. Uh, He's able to raise dead churches back to life. He's able to raise dead people back. Like, he's able to do this. 
And so when I have that confidence going in, and then to see the response of going, oh, man, he's not raising them back yet, right? That's that difficult kind of dynamic that you, that you, you just kind of have to walk through, right? We, we, it, it happens to us all the time when we pray. We were praying for your sister, right? And she passed. Is that right? Uh, yeah. yeah. So, uh, like, we pray all the time for people to be uh, overcome with healing, and yet sometimes God says, no, not, not yet, right? Like, there, so there's that difficult dynamic of, for people of faith of going, oh, I know you can do it, right? Uh, it's almost like uh, we sang that song, you, you talk about the fourth person. That, that was a reference to Daniel, right? And, and Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace, and then a fourth appearance of someone, a representation of God in some manner of speaking, showed up in a, in a tangible, visible sense in, their, in the furnace with them. And uh, the prayer before that was, Lord, we know you can, but we won't bow our knee even if you don't, right? And that proclamation of faith is such a beautiful proclamation of faith, and those, that's the tension that we live in. Um, and so I think I was living in that tension a little bit of just going, ah, I wish it would have worked out the other way because it's fun to see resurrection happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, but then ultimately keeping your head up and going, well, God's got something even better, right? I remember I preached a, a message a long time ago about Jesus knows something you don't know. Well, Jesus knows something I don't know too. This is really what, it, what I mean by that. And, and he's got a plan and a purpose for how things are going to unfold. And so my confidence is, is strong in him. I was a little disappointed in the circumstances of, of what that means in the short term, but in the long term, we have great confidence. And today's passage is basically uh, pretty similar to that. And so we're in first, 2 Corinthians. We're only going to read six of these verses. We're not going to read the full 18. Um, and so let me read those, and then we'll make a few observations and be done. We're going to be done by 11.45 route, okay? I commit to you right now. It's a foolish thing for me to do. Therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy, we do not become discouraged, but we have rejected shameful, hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open proclamation of the truth, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience before God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing. Oh, sorry. Here, let me jump ahead here. Uh, oh, what happened? What's happening? Oh, I think we're going to... Oh, that's the wrong passage. Never mind. Don't look at that. Ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled only to those who are perishing, among whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, so they would not see the light of the glorious gospel of Christ who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness is the one who shined in our hearts to give us the light of the glorious knowledge of God in the face of Christ. All right, here we are, called a maturity. We're gonna jump ahead and just make some observations here. We're in this series, 2 Corinthians in particular, we're really asking you to engage with this concept 
of embracing submission. That's tough just on the surface, right? You have to embrace submission. Yes, we have to, Jesus says, submit to one another, right? So there's this whole dynamic of, wow, not only do we submit to God, but we, he's inviting us to do that with one another, but we do that with wisdom, and that's really kind of what Paul has unfolded as I started in chapter 10 through 13, then came back around in these first couple chapters, is he's giving us this idea of evaluating our spiritual authorities because they are in our lives. In fact, we are that for one another. And so we have to begin not only thinking outwardly about those who are over us, uh, but also ourselves because we also are called to be in submission to one another, which means you have authority in each other's lives to be able to, to speak. And so we've asked a number of questions in that regard. And, oh my goodness, are we, do we not even have the thing? Oh, we don't even have it today. Do we? Okay, I don't even have it. Uh, so we're just going to back it up here. Again, ignore the man behind the curtain. All right, let's look at this, just break it down here. So therefore, since we have this ministry, just as God has shown us mercy. I just want to stop right there with that phrase. Sometimes we hear that and we're just like, okay, let's get on to the next little part. Ooh, let's stop really quickly here. Because when we understand this dynamic, we have this recognition of going, we can make a proclamation that leads to life, but it happens when we first recognize our own experience. Now, remember what we talked about last week, that now Paul is a minister of, a, of kind of something new. It's called the New Covenant. Uh, it's a new promise to mankind. And we have this beautiful thing that's unfolding because he's saying, I am a minister of this New Covenant. And, and what that means is I'm going to proclaim to you something based on my own experience, right? God has shown, just as God has shown us mercy. Well, let's think of who Paul is or was, he, he was Saul. And at one point, he was not a minister of the new covenant. He was a minister of the old covenant. But the old covenant, as we saw last week, is the letter, and the letter brings death. And very literally, Saul was a minister of a gospel that brought death. Uh, he was responsible for persecuting the church. He was responsible for the death of Stephen in many respects. And so as we see this, we, we actually kind of come to one idea that we need to understand about embracing submission with wisdom. Are your authorities bringing life or death? Now, in Paul's case, we're talking about very literally physical death happened, and yet that's never to be the case with spiritual authorities. If you are engaged in a spiritual authority and you're, in, and, and you're sensing death, run for the hills. When I think of that, I think of uh, very, very easily uh, the idea of Islam, right? Here are people who are uh, submitting to, uh, this is not entire Islam, but certain sects, they, S-E-C-T-S, okay? Certain sects, they have this idea of going, no, we go, we're going to go out and we're going to kill to proclaim our ideology, no, that's not that is not appropriate. And unfortunately, if we look in the mirror, the church's history has some of that in it as well. If that is ever the case, if you're ever seeing, whether it's even physical killing in God's name, or you're sensing even spiritual killing, like relation, 
oh, you got to run for the hills. That is not true Christianity. That is the distorted word of God. So first off, you see uh, Paul, he was Saul, his name was Saul, and he killed for God according to the minister of the old law, right? Well, now he's coming back and he goes, but mercy was shown to me. So his proclamation of this new covenant, this new promise that brings freedom comes from a personal experience of being set free from bondage. Oh, that's good news, folks. And guess what? You too can have the same testimony or should have the same testimony. You should be able to look back. If you're a person of faith, you should be able to look back in your life and recognize, oh, I was in bondage. At one point, I was in bondage to something that got me to the end of my rope, and I realized my will was above God's will, and I needed deliverance. And and the deliverance that I found has set me free, and that freedom should have major effects for you, so that when people are engaged with you, they're like, something is different about this cat. Like, what what is different? Well, I, I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was deaf, but now I hear. I once was blind, but now I see. I once was in bondage, but now I have been set free. You realize this is the language of the table, right? Because it was at the table that Jesus was saying about the Passover meal, you once were in slavery to Egypt, but you have now been set free. Now in the future, do this in remembrance of me. You once were in slavery and bondage to sin. You have now been set free. You were in bondage to a spirit that would not forgive people. You have now been set free to be able to forgive. Oh, that is good news. Okay? This is exactly what Paul is is kind of referring to. He, He is basing this and he's saying, look, I can proclaim, I can be a minister of this new covenant. I can be a minister of the Spirit because I've experienced it. I have now been set free. And freedom, as we saw last week, is one of the tells, one of the markers of this new new ministry. Uh, And so as you you walk through that, well, and then he, what does he go? He goes on to say, well, we do not become discouraged. Uh, What? Have you read Paul's life? He has every reason to be discouraged. I mean, the circumstances around his ministry, like, I mean, we, let's not talk about the beatings, the attack by wild animals, the shipwrecks at sea. Let's forget about that for a second, okay? Let's just talk about Corinth. Corinth is the, the town that he went into. He didn't, he didn't ask them to, to uh, give him any kind of money, right? So he's there serving on his own, right, for the good of the people, and he's proclaiming the gospel at his own expense, at his at everything. He's pouring his life into these people. They accept the gospel. And they're like, this is great. We're going to see it. This is wonderful. I, I turned from darkness to light. And then what do they do? They're like, ah, we've had enough of you. We, we'd rather, we, we like these fancy teachers that are dressed nice and show a little bit more of the image, right? These are the teenagers. This is exactly why we're referring to them as teenagers, because they're glomming on to a different image, a more surface image of Christianity. And here Paul is, the parent who has invested. Think of yourselves as parents and and the amount of time, money, and energy that you have invested in your children for them to get up and be like, ah, I'm over it. I don't need you. All right, like imagine how you would feel. And yet Paul, even in that moment, is saying, I'm not going to get discouraged because y'all are just a bunch of teenagers. 
Like you're doing what you, it seems normal, right? Like I'm not going to get discouraged because my confidence is not in them. My confidence is in God. I, I totally lied to you about the time. <laughs> if you need to go, I, you're not going to offend me. Go if you need to go. That's totally fine. All right. So then he goes on to, to say this, this about, uh, well, why? Why is he doing all this? He's not going to get discouraged. His confidence is in him. And then he goes. To, he says, "But we have rejected shameful and hidden deeds." Deeds. You see, he's not going to. He's not a minister that has to appeal to the people uh, and, and satisfy the people's needs, right? That's so important to remember that in your spiritual authorities, who you are submitting to is to recognize. Wait, are they just trying to tell me what I want to hear, or are they speaking truth? Okay. We have rejected shameful hidden deeds, not behaving with deceptiveness or distorting the word of God, but by open, open proclamation of the truth, okay? This is such an important, if you want to be a minister of this new covenant, which you have been called to be, then you should be looking in the mirror and going, wait a minute, am I engaging with my fellow man as just somebody who wants to parrot what the world is saying so I get accepted? Or am I willing to stand on the truth of the word of God? Now, we've got some, well, there's so many examples we could use. And I'm not picking on anybody, okay? You know that I've preached on many letters. We all have letters, right? But when it comes to, this is such an easy illustration, because the issue of the day is this transgender stuff. Like, if you're out with your girlfriends or, or other parents, and the parent's like, hey, my, my son or daughter is going through some gender dysphoria, and I think we might need to get some medication to maybe help ease the transition. Are you going to appeal to them on the basis of being accepted by the culture and them and say, yeah, that sounds like a good idea, or are you going to go back to the truth of the Word of God with empathy? Remember, truth and empathy are not mutually exclusive if you walk out of here and you only remember one thing today, remember that. Truth and empathy are not mutually exclusive. We can have empathy. Like, it's a real issue, folks. People are going through, like, a, our society is going through identity crisis when it comes to our gender. But that doesn't mean that we have to find acceptance with people simply by agreeing with what the world is saying no, we come back. We don't distort the word of God. We come back to the truth of the word of God and go, you know, I don't know, you, you may want to consider that, that that path may not lead to life for your son or your daughter. Like, here's what, uh, here's what this ancient path that, that seems to be pretty trustworthy seems to suggest when it comes to our identity, right? And offer them truth that is not distorted, so that's another thing that we have to kind of consider as we are these authorities with one another. Well, Paul's standing up there. He's not trying to be the Corinthians' best friend. No, he's coming and he's saying, look, what I've done for you is I simply looked at the Word of God. You have every right to look at the Word of God just like I'm looking at it. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to manipulate anything. I'm not trying to distort anything. And I'm not, right, I'm, I'm here simply trying to provide some insight from a trustworthy source that has brought me life, right? It, it, we don't have to do that with coercion. We don't have to do it with guilt, right? We can do it with an invitation. That's what the gospel is. It's an invitation. So as, as we walk through this, Paul is saying, 
I can be a minister. This is how I am a minister of this new covenant. I'm doing it simply by being pointing to Scripture and the truth of Scripture. Uh, and finally this. What, what, what is the, the, the whole, it all comes down to this. For we do not proclaim ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. A minister of this gospel, this, this gospel of the, of the new covenant, uh, of, the, of the spirit, minister of the spirit that brings freedom, is going to be about Jesus and others. Now that should not be a surprise to any of us. If you simply just follow the words and, and life of Jesus, who says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. It's the same thing that Jesus said. And Paul's coming back and he's saying, I, I am able to do this because I care more about God than I do myself. And, I care, and because of that, I care more about people than I do myself. And so in many senses, he's saying, you're my witnesses. Like, tell me where I have loved myself over you. And, and that's this element that's happening. And so I, this is, that, I'm going to end right there. Uh, not too bad. But as you consider embracing submission with wisdom and becoming a minister of the Spirit, I want you to think of these, these factors that we talked about today. Uh, use them as a mirror into your life to go, are you becoming an authority that is trustworthy in other people's lives? Uh, are you going to be the one who has a testimony of freedom are you going to be the one who's not getting discouraged by your circumstances because your eyes are on Jesus? Are you the one that's going to, to be able to speak to the truth of the word of God instead of trying to appeal to worldly wisdom? And finally, are you going to be in it for Jesus and others, not for yourself? As you kind of step into that, you're going to find that you're going to be a minister of a very effective gospel that is not only transforming yourself, but transforming those around you. Father, we are in desperate need of your spirit to be able to help us in this process. So will you continue to do what you always do and come alongside us and be with us in this journey? Father, help us, give us strength to cooperate with you in order that we might be able to not only experience life ourselves, but be able to dispense life to others. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.